On this special weekend, a happy Mom's Day to all of the mothers in our vast television audience. We have a couple of gentlemen joining us this week face-to-face. -face. They are to the right of the screen, reigning Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels. And to the left of the screen, a former two-time Intercontinental Champion, number one contender right now, Mr. Perfect. First of all, Shawn Michaels. What in the world were you thinking of out in Las Vegas, Nevada, at the conclusion of the match between the narcissist and Mr. Perfect when you jumped Mr. Perfect from behind and nailed him with the trash? You know, as a broadcast journalist, Gene, you should know better. You're required to state the facts, and the facts are as follows. Lex Luger, the narcissist, put Mr. Perfect down one, two, three. The match is over. I was simply congratulating my good buddy, Lex Luger, when out of the blue, Mr. Perfect jumped him from behind. So I just saw it fit, being the man that I am, to right a very, very serious wrong. And uh, Mr. Perfect wound up uh, <laughs> taking out the trash. I don't know if you think I just got off the turnip truck. Mm -hmm. I was not born yesterday, Shawn Michaels. You can Mr. That Perfect, again. that's not the way it went down at WrestleMania, was it? The facts? Is that what Shawn Michaels oh. is talking about? Just the facts? What is this, Dragnet? No, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Just the facts, ma'am. Let me tell you the way it is, Shawn Michaels. I was taking care of my business out back with Lex Luger. When you came from behind and nailed me and left me laying in the garbage, you'll never see Mr. Perfect in the garbage again. I guarantee you that, pal. Well, once is enough, isn't it, Mr. Perfect? What's it going to take for you to stand up and be a man and face me one-on-one? -on -one, huh? Hold it just a second, oh. gentlemen. Hypothetically, what if promoters were to sign the match between you, Shawn Michaels, and you, Mr. Perfect, and all of a sudden, that intercontinental title was up for grabs? Then what would happen? You mean face-to-face -face this hypothetically, time? Hypothetically, hypothetically. You know, that runs arm-in-arm in the World Wrestling Federation with guys like Eugene and Mr. Perfect. What if? What if? Let's deal with reality. And what? the reality is, Shawn Michaels is the Intercontinental Champion, and that is not going to change. Mr. Perfect, your <laughs> thoughts? I'll tell you what, Gene. I think the, the magnets he's got hanging from his ears is uh, messing up his brain waves or something. I don't know where this guy's coming from, but the bottom line is, I'm Mr. Perfect, and if i got to prove it to you, Shawn Michaels, that opportunity I would enjoy. Well, gentlemen, i just say this. I don't know where to, to approach this entire thing. But Mr. Michaels has called me a liar. I believe, Mr. Perfect, he's insinuated that you're blind. I don't know what to make of it all. One thing I do know is when that match happens, I'm going to be there to see it. Happy Monday guys! Welcome to a brand new week and a brand new acceptable in the 90s. We are on the road to Slamboree, but over at Titan Towers a new pay-per-view is also coming together. But before we can talk about all that, it's time to pour a cold one and go to the Big Meaty Cool Craft Beer Review. And this week I've got from Belgian brewery McKellar an evergreen hazy IPA, which is 3.5% alcohol by volume. So we're probably looking at more of a session IPA here. But I've given that a pour, I'm having a good look at it, and I'm just about to give it a taste. So as always folks, let the BPMs take over your body while I give this a go. 
Okay, so it's not quite as flavoursome as previous beers that I've had, but it's got its uh, positive talking points, uh, very much like the Tooth and Claw beer from last week. It maintains its head and has got very light carbonation, which are two of the things that I go for in an IPA. It does look a little bit anemic, however, uh, but that's okay. It's it's still technically hazy. Um, the taste is a lot more subtle than what I'm used to from a hazy IPA, but that's fine. Like I say, this has got the taste of a session brew, so not a lot to dislike here. And uh, yeah, I would probably stock up on this if I was having some guys round for a few beers. So yeah, not a bad choice of beer at all. In fact, it's quite tasty. And just as tasty was the weekend's action. So let's snap into it as we start things off by talking about Saturday. The May 8th episode of WWF Superstars emanated from the Tucson Civic Center in Tucson, Arizona, recorded on April the 6th, 1993. In action from the card, Money Incorporated and Mr. Hughes defeated Kamala with the Reverend Slick and the Nasty Boys in 7 minutes and 36 seconds after Kamala got distracted, allowing IRS to roll him up from behind for the win. This would end up being the final WWF appearances of the Nasty Boys and Slick. We get another Smoking Guns vignette to hype their debut, before Yokozuna with Mr Fuji defeated Sean Dakota in 2 minutes and 54 seconds with the Bonsai Drop, as commentary hyped the impending Yokozuna vs Jim Duggan match. Kona Crush defeated Steve Vega with the head vice, but commentary was more focused on the Doink Mr. Perfect rematch for a spot in the King of the Ring tournament. And talking of the King of the Ring, the bad guy Razor Ramon defeated El Matador in a 1993 King of the Ring qualifying match in 3 minutes and 19 seconds, when Razor rolled through on a Matador crossbody and grabbed the tights for the dirty pin. And in a dark match from the recordings, Mr. Perfect defeated Shawn Michaels in a WWF Intercontinental Championship match. I'm assuming by DQ or countout because the title didn't change hands, but hopefully this is some foreshadowing of what is to come. Our show did end, however, with the giant Gonzalez and Harvey Whippleman, who had a lot to say about both The Undertaker and the King of the Ring tournament. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week stands nearly eight feet tall, accompanied by Harvey Whippleman. Here's the giant Gonzalez! An awesome creature, eight feet tall. Giant Gonzalez, and he has a bad disposition to match his overall height and girth. He is indeed a giant among men. They have a bad disposition, but he's got a great little manager there. A great manager, huh? I love Harvey. Harvey hoping to manage uh, Mr. Hughes. Yeah. He's really in the vibe. Harvey Whippleman, right here next week, your giant Gonzalez will face the Native American Tatanka. And I state, you have not seen the last of The Undertaker. Well, that's just for now, Raymond Rougeau. You've got to realize that, yes, I admit, 
that The Undertaker has kept on and kept on and kept on coming back. But that's not because of guts. That's not because of tenacity. That's because of sheer stupidity. That's because he doesn't have enough sense to realize that when he signs for one more match with the Giant Gonzalez, that will, in fact, be his final match. When The Undertaker gets carried out again, he's not gonna get up and come back because when he gets carried out again, Raymond Rougeau, he's gonna be carried out to stay once and for all. I promise you that. And as far as Tatanka, the Native American is concerned, he's only gonna be the next in a long, long line of opponents who are gonna be destroyed decapitated and eliminated from the World Wrestling Federation by the giant Gonzalez because Mr. Rougeau, Tatanka really thinks that he's going to advance in the King of the Ring tournament by stepping in the ring with the giant Gonzalez. But I've got news for that red-headed idiot. When he does step in the ring with the superhuman, eight foot tall, 443-pound Giant Gonzalez, he's gonna be knocked out of that tournament and knocked clear out of the WWF. Tell him, Giants. Goodbye, India. There you have it, next week, Giant Gonzalez, all eight feet of him, squaring off against Tataka in a qualifying round for the King of the Ring tournament right here. So we have a lot to come in the next few weeks, but before we can talk about what's to come, we need to talk about what has been, as we look at the happenings from this day in history on May the 10th, 1993. On May the 10th, 1993, Bill Walton was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. He played college basketball for coach John Wooden and the UCLA Bruins, winning three consecutive National College Player of the Year awards for the years of 1972 to 1974, while leading UCLA to NCAA championships in 1972 and 1973, as well as leading them to an 88-game winning streak. After being selected as the first overall pick in the 1974 NBA Draft, Walton led the Portland Trailblazers to an NBA championship in 1977, earning the NBA Finals MVP award that season. He would go on to win another NBA title in 1986 as a member of the Boston Celtics, and was also named to the NBA's 50th and 75th anniversary teams. Dutch Prime Minister Rud Lubbers opened Terminal West at Amsterdam Airport Schiphol on this day in history as well. Also, a fire in a clothing factory in Bangkok killed 145. Paul Cezanne's painting Still Life with Apples sold for $28.6 million in New York City and in famous deaths, Lester Del Rey, the American sci-fi author responsible for the Moon Trilogy and Marooned on Mars, died at 77. In the pop charts, the 5 Live EP by Queen was still at number 1 in the United Kingdom, while in the US... Like a moth to a flame burned by the fire 
Janet Jackson started an eight-week tenure at the summit of the Billboard charts with That's The Way Love Goes. Meanwhile at the box office, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, was the most watched movie of the week ending May the 9th, while in the UK, Summer's Bee was in its final week at the top. The May 10th edition of WWF Monday Night Raw was recorded live on May the 10th 1993 at the Manhattan Centre in New York City. Our hosts are Vince McMahon, the Macho Man Randy Savage and Bobby the Brain Heenan. In a dark match before the show, Mr Perfect Kurt Hennig defeated Yokozuna, but he still found time to get some revenge on the Heartbreak Kid for running his mouth. It's raw talent that's got me to the top of the World Wrestling Federation. And tonight, Hacksaw Jim Duggan is going to find out why I'm the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Champion. Because they can't find one big enough. And I'm talking about 
Yokozuna. Well, Yokozuna's not the only lumberjack around the ring tonight. Yokozuna's one hell of a lumberjack, but I got a perfect lumberjack for you. It's Mr. Perfect, and he's already thrown Shawn Michaels, the Intercontinental Champion, through a windshield in an unscheduled street fight, and that's yeah. not all. It turns out that the car that got destroyed in that segment was poor Howard Finkel's new car, which Perfect chose to destroy as a rib to the Fink, who had no idea that the segment was going to take place. What a rascal. I love how Heenan finds a link to Sean's current feud as well, by alleging that Duggan paid Perfect off to soften up Sean prior to the Lumberjack match. Before we can get to that particular match though, we have a King of the Ring qualifying match to look at, as the natural disaster Typhoon tries to meet the might of Bam Bam Bigelow. Both guys try to knock each other down, then Typhoon scoops up Bigelow for a slam. Typhoon works the arm until Bigelow rakes the eyes. Bigelow then hits a slam of his own, but misses an elbow drop as Typhoon goes back to working the arm. Bigelow escapes and hits a back suplex, but Typhoon comes back to clothesline Bigelow through the ropes. Typhoon heads outside, but Bigelow outsmarts him and sends him off the apron, and then into the post. Heenan is still going on about Duggan paying off Mr. Perfect, as Bigelow once again knocks Typhoon off the apron. Back inside, Bigelow uses a chin lock. We then go to a break and return with Typhoon knocking down Bigelow, but missing an avalanche, before Bigelow uses a Samoan drop, and then heads up top for the devastating flying headbutt to get the win in exactly seven minutes. There's some decent power stuff here, but this isn't a particularly good match, but the right man advances to what could be a star-making performance. And by the way, Todd Pettengill, this coming Saturday morning at 10 o'clock will feature the Smoking Guns. They make their tag team debut on Monday, Saturday morning mania. Wow! Bang, 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 smoking guns, yeah. Yeah. Oi, oi, who wants a Saturday special? Well, you're getting one anyway. I bloody love the smoking guns, me. Match number two is a battle of former world champions, as the grand champion Yokozuna faces the might of a man who stings like a Portuguese man-of-war, PJ Walker. Vince tells us that Yokozuna will be facing Kamala next week on Raw. Woo! Yokozuna overpowers Walker and follows up with a leg drop. He then chops Walker in the corner before crushing him with an avalanche before the bonsai drop gets the win in 2 minutes and 12 seconds. I'll give this for Walker. He knows how to sell a beating. A standard squash match, but Kamala should test Yokozuna next week. King of the Ring report here on Monday Night Raw is brought to you by IcoPro. You can argue a lot of things with the narcissist, but you can't argue with this. The most scientifically advanced sports supplement and conditioning program on the market today. You've got to want it. The great fans here at the World Wrestling Federation are looking forward to Sunday, June 13th, live from Dayton, Ohio, for the first ever King of the Ring. The main event pits WWF champion, five-time title holder Hulk Hogan, 
defending against his awesome Japanese challenger, Yokozuna. Now then, let's bring you up to date on the qualifying for the King of the Ring Tournament. The superstars who are in, Brett the Hitman Hart. The narcissist Lex Luger is also in. Razor Ramon qualified over the weekend on WWF Superstars. On Wrestling Challenge, Hacksaw Jim Duggan earned the right to fight in the King of the Ring. And just moments ago, right here, live on Monday Night Raw, you saw Bam Bam Bigelow qualify. This leaves only three positions open for this unique tournament. And the scramble continues this coming weekend as Doink the Clown and Mr. Perfect meet in their rematch. And on WWF Superstars, you're not going to believe this one, folks. The undefeated Native American Tatanka takes on the eight-foot-tall Giant Gonzalez. Don't miss these exciting qualifying matches this coming weekend on the WWF Television Network. And certainly, don't miss the excitement of the one-night single elimination tournament, the first-ever WWF King of the Ring, Sunday, June 13th. Kurt Hennig continues to have a busy night as he has his second match of the evening against Iron Mike Sharp. Mr. Perfect takes control early and rams Sharp's head into the corner ten times. Perfect then chops away and hits his next snap as the announcers talk about his rematch against Doink. Perfect and Sharp then trade chops as Perfect wins that particular battle. Perfect uses a jackknife cover for two as Heenan starts flipping through the channels as he'd rather watch anything else than Perfect wrestle. Perfect hits some more chops then puts Sharp away with a Perfect Plex in 4 minutes and 40 seconds. This contest is more notable for what happened before the match as Perfect called over the ring girl, stuck his gum inside of her mouth as she chewed it and walked around before stepping outside. But this was an alright match actually. Sharp is a solid hand and brought some very stiff chops. The crowd were also well into the match, which always helps. Perfect is getting pushed well following WrestleMania, and you could believe him beating Sean for his third Intercontinental title. Another believable character is Mr Hughes, who makes his return to Raw with a manager. But I know what you're thinking, it's not Captain Lou. Instead, Harvey Whippleman accompanies his new charge to the ring to face the Cannonball Kid. Now, for those of you that don't know, the Cannonball Kid is the identical twin of last week's latest jobber, the Kamikaze Kid. Hughes overpowers Kid as Vince believes that Hughes is one of the Lumberjacks tonight. Hughes kicks Kid in the face as Vince plugs the world premiere of the Sex, Love and Cold Hard Cash movie, that premieres on Wednesday on USA Network. Hughes stays in control and then uses the dreaded sidewalk slam to get the win in 2 minutes and 19 seconds. The Cannonball Kid sold excellently here and hopefully his brother will come back to Raw to team with him. Now I confess to being a Mr Hughes fan so I'm looking forward to seeing where this run goes. All over America, people are watching All-American Wrestling. That's because Bobby the Brain Heenan and myself are traveling all over the country to bring you the best action the World Wrestling Federation has to offer. I got tickets to New York, to Los Angeles, to Las Vegas, to Paris, even Mars. Mars? That's impossible, Bobby. The World Wrestling Federation said they'll spare no expense to make sure we're happy. Gene and Bobby are hitting the road, Sundays on USA.
Hey, you think the next time they could at least rent us a car? Yes, you can catch Bobby the Brain Heenan and me and Gene on All-American. And unfortunately, Bobby the Brain is uh, right here as well with us. On you know, Monday it's still no fun being with him every week. What do you mean? Well, he takes you over to place. He's a deadbeat. He doesn't have a credit card. He's got no cash. Next he week, you've got Crush one-on-one -on -one against Blake Beverly on All-American. And you're not even aware of it. Well, yes, I am aware of it because I know Bo told me. Bo may be at ringside. Oh, really? You know, it's an exclusive on All-American. Naturally. Only on All-American. I got it. That's what an exclusive means. Oh, oh here, here we go. go. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun for somebody. The Lumberjacks starting to pour in right now. Bobby Heaton's just depressed because the raw girl turned him down. She did not. <laughs> she gave me her number, her answering machine, I her don't business, so, and no. her home phone, her car phone. Yeah, she gave bro. me her aunt's number and her third husband's phone number where I could find her during the day. <laughs> the Lumberjack matchup is headed right at you here live What's from right? the Manhattan Center on Monday Night Raw when we Ladies and gentlemen, everything tonight has built up to this, our main event, and a match worthy of that tag, as Hacksaw Jim Duggan gets another chance to take the Intercontinental title away from the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, in a lumberjack match. Duggan goes right after Yokozuna, before entering the ring to pump up the crowd. Shawn then comes out wearing street clothes and on crutches, as Heenan says it's because he went through the windshield of a cheap little car that Perfect pulled up in, as Sean says that he cannot possibly compete. However, Perfect attacks Sean and rolls him inside, as Sean stands up on his own without any problems. Duggan then tosses Sean outside as Sean is tossed right back in, and the bell rings with Sean begging for mercy. Duggan slams Sean and drops an elbow that gets two. Duggan then tears off Sean's shirt and fires away as Vince says that this has more action than the Lennox Lewis fight from last Friday. Duggan gets a few more near falls as Sean takes all sorts of bumps. Duggan now chokes out Sean and then uses a reverse chin lock. Duggan briefly uses a bear hug and turns that into a slam as that gets two. Heenan screams about Sean being attacked tonight and giving Duggan a major advantage. Duggan now uses a front face lock and then beats on Sean in the corner, as Sean looks half dead. Sean is now tied up in the ropes, and after that, gets thrown over the top rope. HBK tries to escape up the aisle, but Perfect and Mr Duckass Bob Backland carry him back as we go to commercial. The action returns with Duggan hitting a slam, but missing a knee drop. Sean then takes off his boot and whacks Duggan in the face, as Duggan spills outside. Duggan is thrown back in where Sean stomps away before sending Duggan back outside. Duggan returns and tries to fight back, but Sean rakes the eyes. Duggan then uses a turnbuckle smash, but eats boot on a charge, and then Sean covers for two. Sean now uses a chin lock on the mat, but Duggan fights out and then skies Sean with a backdrop. Duggan now chokes out Sean in the corner before firing away with punches. Sean fights back, but Duggan catches a crossbody attempt and turns that into a slam for a near fall. Duggan now uses a chin lock as the camera shows Yokozuna staring into the ring ominously. Duggan then signals for the three-point stance and uses that to knock Sean outside as we go to another break. We return, however, with Sean back in control, but he misses a corner splash. 
Duggan then gets distracted as Bigelow is upon the apron. Sean hits a high knee from behind and then tosses Duggan outside in front of Yokozuna. Bigelow distracts the ref as Yokozuna absolutely wails on Duggan. Yokozuna then rolls Duggan back inside as Sean covers with one foot, but Perfect runs in to break up the pin and the ref rings the bell for the DQ in 17 minutes and 20 seconds. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. A really good match here with Michaels making Duggan look like an absolute world beater, although Hacksaw also deserves credit for putting a good shift in. Not the best of finishes, mind, but Duggan and Yokozuna is still the current house show programme, so Duggan needed to still look strong until Hogan could be asked to put a shift in around the circuit. This match was also the icing on the cake of this show-long build to the Sean Perfect feud. I cannot wait for that match. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. No WWF figure. Give you the power of Hulkamania. The knockout Prince of Virgil. The audacity of IRS and the madness of the Macho Man. Collect new WWF figures now. Sold separately. Dig it. The winner of this bout as a result of the disqualification. Wait a minute. You can see the look on everybody's face. Wait a minute. Shawn Michaels coming in with the perfect. And now we head to my final thoughts. Those that watched this week's episode of Raw got a far better show this week. The matches that were hyped last week got decent time, and I'm loving how the Intercontinental title is being elevated as the main belt in the World Champion's absence. The likes of Sean, Perfect and Bret Hart should really be on Raw more often, and elevating the secondary title may mean that that happens. Furthermore, while the match finishes still leave a lot to be desired, we're starting to get some week-to-week storyline build, as Shawn Michaels seeks to avoid all challenges in an effort to keep his grip on the title. Hopefully, the Shawn Michaels show continues apace next week. Star of the Night goes to Kurt Hennig. He practically appears in every segment and was the star turn every time. Match of the Night once again goes to Duggan versus Michaels, but this week it's a worthy award in a far better effort than last week for both men. The highlight of the night, after Big Meaty Cools moaning about wanting some newer faces on the show, was actually getting some newer faces. And let's have more of it, please. And the Low Light of the Night award isn't going to anyone or anything this week. 
that's how much I enjoyed this show. Going back to Saturday, the May 8th edition of WCW Saturday Nights was recorded on May the 3rd, 1993 from the Centre Stage Theatre in Atlanta, Georgia. In action from the show, WCW United States Champion Dustin Rhodes retained the belt by defeating Tex Lassinger with the Bulldog. The Assassin joined Tony and Jesse to talk about Slamboree, and Ron Simmons and Paul Orndorff had a moment. The Cole Twins defeated Mustafa Saeed and Tony Vincent with a flying body press. We get another Slamboree report where we find out that some of the legends in attendance will also be in action. Colonel Parker comes out before Van Hammer's match to offer him the superstar contract. Let that sink in. Of all the wrestlers in the world, bearing in mind that the likes of Sting, David Boy Smith, even Ron Simmons worked with his company, Colonel Parker wants to make Van Hammer a star. Van Hammer defeated Wrecking Crew Rage with an awful take on the La Magistral Cradle. Post-match, Van Hammer threatened Parker, because that's just the type of man he is. Parker then states that Van Hammer just made his biggest mistake. Although I think you'd argue that by training to be a wrestler in the first place, Van Hammer made his biggest mistake. The British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith defeated Wrecking Crew Fury with the running power slam. That is hard to say. Post-match, Bulldog tells Tony Schiavone how he's going to beat Big Van Vader at Slamboree. The Blackhearts defeated Jumping Joey Max and Scott Allen, following that ugly top rope powerbomb thing on Allen. It's early Anderson's turn to talk about Slamboree now. Thankfully, he doesn't get the time to segue into how much he thinks Ric Flair is a wanker. Tony Schiavone talks to two masked luchadors who have been shown on camera a few times. They state that their name is Dos Hombres and their intentions are to face the Hollywood Blondes for the tag team titles before Ricky Steamboat comes out to warn them about Austin and Pillman. Jim Neidhart defeated Shanghai Pierce in an overlong match following a roll-up pin. Both men are over with the crowd, for some reason. Flair for the Gold returns this week and we are told that Ric Flair's guest will be Barry Windham. Flair hypes the match between Arn and Windham for the NWA World Heavyweight title at Slamboree and Arn cuts a promo on Barry. After this, the phone rings and Flair answers it. Apparently, it's Barry Windham and he isn't coming on the show. Flair gets quite visibly upset and was about to send the ladies away, but Arn convinces him not to. He wants to get his own, you see. And they celebrate. Arn's promo was very good and Flair getting deadly serious when on the phone with Wyndham was awesome. Unified WCW NWA World Tag Team Champions the Hollywood Blondes defeated Joe Cruz and Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker in the defence following the double team splash in what was a fun squash. They then state their intentions to give those hombres a title match. Max Payne vs Johnny B. Bad doesn't happen as Payne attacks Bad with the armbar before either man can make it to the ring. Instead, Max Payne defeated Brad Armstrong with the armbar in what was a terrible replacement bout. Bad comes back out, but Payne steals and nails Bad 
with his own bad blaster. The show closes with a Harley Race British Bulldog promo face-off. Listen out for that after the show. So guys, this wasn't the best episode of Saturday Night this week, and Raw definitely wins out this week. However guys, I will be back next week with more wrestling action. But, in the meantime and in between time, stay beefy, Meat Ciders! Thanks a lot for being with us. We look forward to seeing you at Slamboree in two weeks. Tony, thank you for inviting me here. I appreciate it. And I'll see you and Mr. Larry at Slamboree 93. at the table of food. The masked assassin, one of the legends in our sport, Larry. Big Max Payne walks away with the glitter gun. What about that? You know, people have been criticizing me because I, I'm very outspoken against Guys like Johnny B. Bad and their big entrances. But do you see what it cost him? While he's busy trying to impress you people, Max Payne dumped him like human confetti. So you know what I think? I think Johnny B. Bad's a much wiser man now. And take a look at this tie you got. Now this is class. See, this is like Dion running out of Atlanta, just like when Max Payne took that glitter gun and hit a home run with Bad's head. All right, we are joined by Harley Race, the manager of the heavyweight champion of the world, Big Van Vader. Let me tell you something, Tony, and let me tell a lot of these people around here what the big man is doing right now. He's going all around the world, putting on public appearances where young people are allowed to come in, wannabe, would-be wrestlers. They come in the ring and they want to try the big man like they did in the old fight days. You remember that? You're talking about workouts, but I, I mean, the big guy against five guys, five young guys, are you trying to embarrass these guys? This is not a workout for this big guy. Well, let me tell you something. When they get in the ring with him, it's going to be a workout. He's going to take it to task just like he did the Joe Thurmans. What are you doing out here, punk? The Ron Simmonses, the Stings, and the last one, Cactus Jack, right here in this building. And next week will be the last one. The 22nd of May will be the last public workout right here. The last public workout will be right here one day before Slamboree on hey, WC. Let me tell you something, Mr. Race. You don't count chickens before they're hatched. And you don't add my name on any list before it happens. Because come May 22nd, Big Van Vader is going around the world doing public workouts. He wants to do one here on May 22nd. It's not going to happen, Mr. Race, because I'm going to be here to make sure it doesn't happen because I'm sick and tired of you. I'm sick and tired of Van Vader hurting people. Just jack yourself. Is that what you're telling me? You want to be another Cactus Jack? No, Mr. You Race! I'm not going to be another Cactus Jack because it isn't going to happen to this British Bulldog. I go in the ring, I don't make mistakes. You better tell the big boy, don't make mistakes on May 23rd because I'm going to be the next WCW Heavyweight Champion because I fear no man. And I fear no back. Jack. 
fans, we are out of time. Tomorrow night, the Hollywood Blondes against Dos Ombres. See you then.